Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 189, air date November 11th, 2017. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for coming and welcome. Today uh, is a historic uh, event for the Shiva for Senate campaign. Dr. Ayodhya will be making an announcement today. Um, my name is Ron Megna. I'm the communications director for the Shiva for Senate campaign. Um, I'm going to have three speakers come up today, one being Dr. Ayodhya, who's going to be doing a talk on the dangers of GMOs. I've known Dr. Shiva Ayodhya for approximately 30 years, so I've seen him come up from a young man, uh, educate himself, work his way through college, um, start several companies, successful uh, companies, um, and uh, brought him to where he is today. Uh, a very principled guy, lives by his principles, uh, and he dies by his principles. Uh, you know, a real fighter, a true fighter, okay? Uh, first person I'm going to bring up today is uh, Frank Licata. He worked on the 2016 President Trump campaign, uh, and I'm going to have him say a few words. Frank? Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Hello. <laughs> So, so I'm just going to wing this. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I met Shiva earlier this year, and uh, as, as uh, Ron was saying, I um, actually, let me back up, in the summer of 2015, I got involved with the Trump presidential campaign. I'm just an average person, a blue-collar worker, and um, what, I, what I liked about the president's campaign is the fact that he's independent. Essentially, he's his own party. You know, people like to classify us as left or right or Democrat or Republican. Um, but he's independent. And I found the, um, that Shiva is, is also an, an independent type person, too. He, was, he reminded me of sort of a mini Trump, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, the, dropping the bomb, the bomb thrower to disrupt the uh, establishment. Um, establishment of both Democrat and Republican. They're all one and the same. It's all the same club. So um, I think once we break out of that mold of, of being part of, a, of, a, of the cult mentality of a party, uh, personally, then uh, you're free to, uh, to open up your mind to things like, uh, like the GMOs, for example. Like, why, why is it that uh, Monsanto is, um, is uh, poisoning us and so forth, and we just uh, give them a hall pass because, uh, because Elizabeth Warren says so. Um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I just want to uh, say that uh, uh, Dr. Shiva has a great message. Uh, I think you should, um, you know, tell your friends about him, and um, and I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised uh, and, um, and to get behind him. Have, it's going to take some courage because um, people will they'll try to make fun of you, so forth. They did that to me during the Trump campaign. They said, "Oh, what are you doing? This guy's crazy or whatever." You know, that's that's the reaction you're going to get. But that's how you know you have the right candidate. When you get that, even coming here today, they try to force us out of this place here. Um, so that's all I want to say, and uh, thanks for coming. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Frank. Frank's been a uh, real asset to our campaign. Works very hard uh, in his you know spare time. Frank runs his own uh, electrical contracting business, and he's been a great deal of help uh, to Shiva in the campaign. Uh, I want to bring up uh, our next speaker. Her name is Michelle. She is an artist and an author, uh, and she comes from a long history of veterans. Today is Veterans Day, Veterans Day, and uh, she wants to say a few words. Michelle? Thank you, Ron. Hi, thank you, everyone. Um, 
I come from, as Ron said, I come from a long line of veterans in my family. My um, great-grandfather fought in World War I. My grandfather fought in World War II, along with many of my great-uncles. Um, my father was in the service. My brother spent 20 years on submarines in the Navy and retired from that. Even my cousin Alana <laughs> went to school at uh, William and Mary and got her law degree and is now in the JAG program. Um, yeah, and I just I want to thank everyone who has served as a veteran for our country. Um, it's it's an honor to be a part of my family, and I just over seventy five percent of the men in my family have been in the service. Many of those lost their life for this country. And um, my uncle Mark, God bless his soul, he was in Vietnam War, excuse me, and he wasn't killed by the enemy. He was killed many years later by Agent Orange. And uh, yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I support so fully Shiva and his run for Senate, because he's taking on Monsanto when so many others are scared to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle, for those words. Uh, the next person I want to bring up is uh, Dr. Shivaraya Dure. He is truly a 21st century senator. He will be the next U.S. senator from Massachusetts. <clears throat> Scientist, entrepreneur, and I call him a friend. Dr. Shivaraya Dure. All right, thank you everyone for coming. Are we okay? Um, I know uh, to everyone listening out on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, you know, when I think about who we want to actually thank, it's all the people out there who've been supporting us, everyone in this room. Um, on the ride over here today, where's Chris? Is Chris here? Chris was saying, you know, we're going to get uh, this person, that person, you know, out here. Let me tell you, the reality of what's going on in the world right now is people are recognizing what really matters is us as people, right? It doesn't matter, you know, I supported Trump because he was a disruptor, but even he couldn't affect the elections in Alabama, right? The reality is those people affecting elections are people, everyday people, because people are recognizing what's truth and what's lies, what's the establishment, who are the people. That's what's going on, and this is an incredible time in American history. This has never occurred before, probably since the revolution. And we are truly on the verge of a, a second American revolution. People are recognizing what is the establishment and who are change agents, and also who are the not so obvious establishment like Elizabeth Warren, right? People are recognizing that people say one thing and do another. You know, Michelle just talked about her family of veterans. Before I start my talk, I, th I think it'd be really important and uh, extremely um, honorable of us to take a few moments of silence because today is Veterans Day. And so I would like us to take you know, a few moments of silence in remembrance of these amazing people who gave up their lives so we could have freedom.
Thank you. Let me start by talking about, you know, the veterans. Um, there's a lot of people, politicians, who will get this veteran group to endorse them. You've probably seen that, right? Or go to some veterans group to get pictures of the veterans. And the reality is, you, in my opinion, the best way that we honor veterans is what we do today with our own lives, right? It's how we behave. And the best way to honor veterans is for us to be willing to stand up for what they believed and what they went to die for. Many wars which were sent, many of them didn't have a choice to go fight. Some of them were imperialist globalist wars for the 0.001%. But those men and women still went to fight for our rights, for freedom, to defend the American Constitution. Did they not do that? That's, right. That's what they did. And we must honor them. Now let me contrast that before I go into my speech. John's here who organized a Boston Free Speech Rally. Now think about this. <coughs> Uh, on August 19th, um, there was a Boston Free Speech Rally, some of you may know about. A, three months before that, around June, John had invited a number of people to come speak there. I was uh, honored to be one of them. It was great. Uh, people like John and other uh, young people wanted to expand the dialogue in America, not just narrowly focused by a few set of people at Harvard and Elizabeth Warren deciding what you can talk about, right, the elites. They wanted to have a whole spectrum of dialogue, which is great. That's what America is about. And uh, so I was invited to speak at that free speech rally in June, decided to go. I believe when Charlottesville took place around August 15th, suddenly that free speech rally was branded as a Nazi white supremacist event. And uh, uh, an Indian newspaper called me a Nazi and a white supremacist. Unbelievable. But this is what occurs. People can easily be moved by the elites who own the major media, they own the major press, they own the academics, and they own the politicians, left and right. So in this case, Charlie Baker called everyone there white supremacists and Nazis. And so did Marty Walsh, the Democrat, who got backed by, by the way, Elizabeth Warren. Why do they do this? Because they need minority votes. They are in the life of basically taking advantage of minorities and poor people. That's what they do for a living. Right? That's what they do. Now, the reality is when you look at that free speech rally, uh, after uh, Baker and Walsh called us white supremacists, we were under massive pressure to call it off. You remember that, right, John? Massive pressure. But you know what? We didn't do that. Why? Because we wanted to honor those people who died for our rights. That's what we did. So 40 of us, and a number of them are in this room, went to that event. And we showed up there. There were two barricades constructed by the Walsh and Baker administration. So in the Parkman bandstand, which was a heroic area of free speech, we were like cordoned off like cattle. No press was allowed in there. No media was allowed. And we gave our talks. We went ahead and gave our talks. And what did we talk about? We talked about, hey, black lives do matter. Yes, we support black lives. We also talked about Monsanto. And we talked about love, 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 how we need to bring this country together. That's what the message was. That was not broadcast on the media. People continued to call us all sorts of names. Fortunately, we had a video, which Alan Erickson took, and we broadcast that live using modern technology. Well, these guys were sort of caught red-handed with essentially lying. Now, what's interesting is a few weeks after that, Ron Megna had organized a speech for me to give several months ago at the Cape Cod Republican Club. I had spoken there, in fact, in March, right? 
standing ovation, and you have to understand the Cape Cod Republican Club is the elites of the elites of the elites of the Republican Club. These are the people who are billionaires down there. So I had gone there in March or April, standing ovation. Well, this time, I was supposed to speak in September. Right, Ron? Mm -hmm. Well, when they heard about the free speech rally and my participation, they canceled it. They disinvited us. And get this, let me tell you why they disinvited us. They said Antifa was going to come down to Cape Cod. Think about that. <laughs> These are the same people who sent our veterans, poor blacks, poor whites, to go fight their wars under the concept of patriotism, right? They draped they drape the American flag when it's convenient for them. They talk about patriotism when it's good for them. But when it comes to defending the rights of the First Amendment in their own communities, they stick their tail between their legs and they run. Right? That's what these guys do. You know, they will send people like Michelle's uncle to fight in Vietnam. And everyone knows, look, anyone who studied Vietnam knows John Kennedy was killed because he didn't want to escalate the war in Vietnam. He wasn't part of the military industrial academic complex. He wanted to pull out of that war. 50,000 tons of Agent Orange were dumped in Vietnam. 50,000 tons, 80 million liters. Think about that. And who was that done by? Well, it was done by a company called Monsanto and Dow. So think about what they did. Let's talk about their innovation. They figured out, well, they needed to go kill these people. And by the way, we should all understand when you look at that law, when you look at that war, they didn't want a quick war. They prolonged that war so they could sell weapons. All the data's out there. Go read it. They prolonged the war. They could have taken out major centers of weaponry. They could have taken out major airfields. They didn't do that. They wanted to sustain a war. And that's what they do, Democrats and Republicans. They profit from war and sickness. Let's not forget that. Because war and sickness has become profitable, and that's what they profit from. So when you look at what occurred in Vietnam, when you look at what they did to our own soldiers, and by the way, they don't still take care of them. 20 years have gone by. You know, uh, President Trump is heading in the right direction. He created an app so veterans can get services. And many of these veterans organizations, lots of them, they've sort of become their own nonprofits. So it's us as people to help our veterans. You can't rely on the government. You can't rely on these, many of these groups, can you? You can't. So the reality is when you look at the singular focus of what occurred in Vietnam, and you start focusing it on this company called Monsanto. What did Monsanto do? They figured out how to deliver Agent Orange for aircraft, dump it on this uh, jungle you know, nation, which defoliated the uh, leaves so they could see the enemy. And as a result of that, we have all of these problems that, we, that people suffer today. Lung cancer, the average a veteran who was exposed to Agent Orange has two times the amount of prostate cancer as an average individual. And you go down the list of horrible diseases that they suffer, and we don't take care of them. That's what's resulted. So what did Monsanto do after Vietnam? Right, so this is, by the way, how you'll realize how the military-industrial academic complex works, supported by both Democrat establishment and Republicans, is once they figured out something to do with wartime innovation, then they move it to civilian innovation. And you got to understand this. So after they learned how to deliver chemicals from air, they said, wow, the war is over. What do we do with this now? 
So they said, let's use this technology of creating poisons as an herbicide, by the way. Yep. Herbicides are different than pesticides. A pesticide kills pests, okay. an herbicide kills plants, right? So they moved Agent Orange to a different uh, capability. Not only the chemical, but the delivery engine. They said, oh, factory farming, right? Hey, Frank, you run a factory farm. You know, hundreds of acres or hundreds of thousands of acres, right? By the way, they eliminated, it was to their benefit to eliminate the small farmer. And then yeah. we will dump pesticides from the sky, Frank, don't worry, and we'll kill all your weeds. So that was a chemical called Roundup. Everyone heard of this? Yeah. The, the trait, the scientific name is called glyphosate. Glyphosate, same as Roundup. Made billions of dollars doing that. And many of these guys did it. By the way, do you know where the test fields were before they did Agent Orange in Vietnam? They were in Kauai, on US soil. Half of the island of Kauai has been completely destroyed. And, and the majority of the people they affected were the indigenous Hawaiians. Uh, two very close friends of mine, Pierce Brosnan and his wife Keeley, are doing a huge contribution. They're doing a movie called Poisoning Paradise. I'm the main scientist in the movie. It's already won eight film awards. It's gonna be coming out. But they took a bold risk, because most of Hollywood, we know what they're about, right? Oh, yeah. But these guys take a bold risk to really expose what's going on in Hawaii and the movement. But separate from that, after Monsanto um, leveraged herbicides for factory farming, making lots and lots of money, in fact, they monopolized it. Every factory farmer must use Monsanto's glyphosate. In fact, people use it in their lawns. So what happens after that? Well, Monsanto goes to Frank's farm, and let's say there's Thuru over here who's growing organic. Frank's going, growing all of his stuff with pesticides. Then they say, hey, Frank, you know what? Those pesticides are actually killing some of your corn, right? Because after a while, the pesticides not only kill the weeds. So they tell Frank, look, I got an idea for you. We're going to genetic, or let's say soy. We're going to genetically engineer your soy, which is organic from nature. And we're going to insert a gene in there, genetically engineered where that gene will now allow your soy plant to resist my herbicide. Got it? So they sell you the herbicide, kill weeds. Then I'm going to put the gene from a bacterium, which doesn't occur in nature, right? So they take the gene from a bacteria, stick it into the soy plant. That's called genetic engineering, or GMOs. And they sell now a seed to Frank. Say, Frank, you can, by the way, they're not selling the seed to Frank. They license it, a one-year license. Okay, which means the next year he can't use the previous seeds. He's got to come back. You guys got it? It's like a software license. So now Frank's got to buy that license, and he, he, he gets that soy, right? But now he's constrained to Monsanto on two things. What? Their herbicide and their seed. Gets even more interesting. That seed one day sort of, you know, floats over and lands on Thuru's soil. Well, the Monsanto people are there with their lawyers. You owe us money. By the way, this is going on. They demand licensing money from him, and it's been taken up to the, in, in Canada to the Supreme Court, and people like Theroux have lost. So the courts enforce this law, and so do the politicians. Yeah. Now why? If you go look at most of these politicians, they get paid by Monsanto. Bernie Sanders took $18,000 from Monsanto. Do you guys know that? Right? Great fighter for the people. That's left and right, Republican and Democrat, 
take money from Monsanto because Monsanto is not just an agrobiotech company. They're part of the military academic industrial complex. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren sits on the Armed Services Committee in the Senate. She's there for a reason because she's part of that. So we got to really understand what's going on. And we all sort of are waking up to this. I just happen to be the guy who went to MIT who got four degrees who's not supposed to be actually up here in front of you fighting them. I'm actually supposed to be at MIT teaching and being part of the establishment. They should have never given me those four degrees, right? And, and let me tell you a little bit about myself, right? Here's a guy, I grew up in India, you know, at least one third of my life on a poor farm where my, no electricity, no um, running water. My grandparents were poor farmers, grew everything organic because, you know, they, weren't gonna, they couldn't afford pesticides. And I also grew up in a city. So I grew up in these two very, very different worlds. And I always had to figure out, as a young kid, how to modulate living in two worlds, a city life and in a, you know, a village life. I also grew up in an India which had the caste system, where there are upper caste and lower caste. We were considered untouchables. You won't find a lot of Indians like me. We were considered those people who are not supposed to achieve anything in life except clean toilets all our lives, literally. But I came from that, my parents came from that. They were one in a trillion, the fact that they even made it to America. And then I went through the public school systems in America, as Ron mentioned. You know, Patterson, New Jersey, one of the poorest cities in the United States, came here as a seven-year-old kid. And think about the disparity here, a traditional Indian family, my mom and her saris, coming to the United States in 1970. Still Vietnam wars going on right, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We land in Patterson, New Jersey, predominantly African-American. So we have to, I had to modulate these two other worlds. Went through Patterson, then to Clifton, then to Persephone. My parents kept moving to the better public school systems. Because in those days, that was the only way you got school choice, right? But throughout that process, I was always invigorated by and always interested in systems. Why was there rich people? Why was there poor people? Why was the Vietnam War going on? Why did I see as a young kid people getting blasted on TV, right? What, what, what happened with Nixon? You know, later on, why did Kissinger get a Nobel Prize when he bombed the hell out of Cambodia, right? All these contradictions never made sense to me. By the time I was 14, I think I've shared with you guys, I was given this other very interesting challenge. Here were secretaries. By the time I was 14, I was working full-time as a programmer. Here were these secretaries who were relegated to the typewriter. Women could essentially in those days have four jobs. You know, teacher, nurse, teacher, housewife. housewife. What's the last one? Secretary. So here in this medical hospital were two different worlds. Over here were the guys in white lab coats, the scientists who used computers. And over here were secretaries, had to dress a certain way, look a certain way on their typewriters working on paper. And I bridged both those worlds. I bridged both of those worlds. We just, yeah, just, yeah, I think it's better to take it down. So we, we yeah, yeah, yep. You can just take it down, Michelle. Yeah, so we bridged both of those worlds. And bridging those worlds literally meant bringing together this old world of paper and the new world of elect electronics. And I created email, the first email system in the world. Got the first US copyright, went off to MIT. Did multiple degrees, started seven different companies. The reason I share that with you is not to talk about me, but what occurred 
many years later, about five years ago, and it comes back to Monsanto and the people who run this world, is that about five years ago, all my stuff went into the Smithsonian. My dear mom was dying of pulmonary fibrosis in a beautiful suitcase. She left all these materials that went into the Smithsonian. Well, the day went into the Smithsonian, you think people should be elated. Wow, a kid from Newark, New Jersey, invented the first email system. But what you see was this bold reaction by the military industrial complex because they had rewritten the narrative that Raytheon had invented email when they didn't. They had a guy with a beard, glasses who looked like a nerd, who had simply done simple text messaging. The reason I'm telling you that is that the thought of a 14-year-old kid in Newark, New Jersey inventing email bothers the military industrial complex because they want to write the narrative that all great innovations come from them. Follow what I'm saying? That you sure, innovation surely could not occur in Newark or in Franklin, Idaho, by the way, which is where e, uh, TV was invented by Philo Farnsworth. The truth is there's innovation taking place everywhere. Everywhere, because all of us are very smart and creative, beautiful people. That's why our slogan is, be the light. Right? So, so when, you, when you look at that, and you contrast to where innovation really comes from and where they want innovation to go is that you come back to the central thesis. It's about centralization versus decentralization. Okay, now I wanna talk a little bit about that and finish up with what we stand for. Centralization versus decentralization. You see, the elites wanna think that all things come from them. Elizabeth Warren thinks she knows better, but I know you know better. <laughs> That's the, so, so you look at an institution like Harvard. Is it a university? No, it's a fake university. I figured out their numbers. It's a $45 billion hedge fund. That's what Harvard is. It really is. And, and let's look at this $45 billion hedge fund. They, no, they get some students running around thinking they're so great they got into Harvard. That's their front end PR. And their professors who are their marketers. But what they do is they take that tuition money, they get grant money from all of us, claiming they're doing some great research. By the way, one of their professors is the one who was collusion with Monsanto, literally cutting and pasting Monsanto's articles and putting it out there. That's what Harvard does. And when you look at them, they've made billions of dollars year over year. In one year, they made seven billion of their you know, endowment. Now, if you and I started a hedge fund, we'd pay 20, 25% tax. They've paid zero tax. Zero. So I, I, don't you think we should tax Harvard? Don't you think so? Some people should be taxed, especially people who don't produce anything. So what has Harvard produced? Well, they produced Charlie Baker. They produced Elizabeth Warren. They produced Romney, didn't they? Well, what have they given Massachusetts? They produced Barack Obama. Go down the list. Half of the Supreme Court justices are Harvard graduates. And we're, we're, you know, we, 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 we're taught, we're brainwashed to revere these guys. But what have they actually produced? Let's look at the results in Massachusetts. Worst in public integrity, which means highest in corruption. Came out in 2015. Public integrity, they've done the analysis. That's not a good statistic, is it? Worst in infrastructure, 47th. A D plus, that's what Massachusetts got. And three times the national average in opioid addiction. So opioid addiction, high, bad infrastructure, and you're really corrupt. 
And really what? Taxed. Yeah, and really taxed, right? That's what Harvard has given us. Warren, Baker, and Romney. Yet, they talk about all the great things they've done. Well, who's really done great things? You know, I'm not going to, I'm not really boasting about my alma mater, but just look at the facts. Massachusetts got number one in innovation. Well, where did that come from? Down the street of these guys who actually work. Call them nerds, but they actually, in my case, they're basically high-tech blue-collar workers. They're people like Frank and Ron. We just got a little bit of high-tech, Votech education. Well, 33,000 businesses came out of MIT. Two trillion in revenue per year. Two trillion. The GDP of the United States is 20 trillion. That means these people actually use their mind, create, work their butts off every day. Actually, you're creating two trillion revenue. Meanwhile, the guys up the street, complete charlatans, complete frauds, lawyers, lobbyists, academics. I'm not saying there are not some few good people there. But that's what they are. And we've all been bamboozled by that sewer which feeds a swamp in D.C. The, the epicenter of the sewer is Harvard University. I'm being serious. That's where it comes from. They train them to think they're so much better than all of us. Train them to think they're so much smarter, yet they're trained how to move money around and manipulate. They don't produce value. Right? They don't produce value. Who produces values? People in this room produce value. The people who actually create things produce value. The electricians, the plumbers, the people who actually make stuff. Well, do we have enough of those people? In Massachusetts, 17 to 1. For every 17 skilled job openings, only one person is qualified. So not only have they destroyed the public infrastructure, but made people addicts, right? run it as though it's their ship, but they've also completely ensured an educational industrial complex where they're taking students, getting them into loans, right? So let me just talk about this. Now, if I'm a bank and you came to me and you said, give me a loan, what would I do? I would say, show me your business plan, right? Wouldn't I do that? I want to see your five-year business plan. What are you going to do? Okay, then I'm going to give you a loan. A student comes gets accepted, they go to these loan guys. Give me a loan. Here, here's your loan. 16-year-old kid is signing his paper. You, you read the stuff on this. People are coming with an $8,000 loan and paying $200,000. No one talks about this. This is the educational industrial complex. They hook people in. They would never give that loan to a business, would they? Well, I say it's time that Anyone who got those loans should be afforded the right to default. Don't you think so? They should be right. Why? Because that's a business decision. Because if I make a business decision to give you a loan and you default, that's a risk I take. So they're not doing any risk analysis. They're just giving it away. And we have a $1.2 trillion loan bubble. And these guys, the loan companies, have made billions of dollars in profits. Harvard's made billions of dollars in profit. So think about the collusion. Loan guys taking a predatory loan to a young student, giving him a loan. The average student has $39,000 in loans, by the way. And they can't get a job because how is a gender study education going to set you up for a job? Is it? Meanwhile, for every 17 skilled job openings, only one person skilled. Here you have a guy like Ron who teaches. Ron's got his degree. I mean, got, worked as an electrician, then worked as a nurse, now is an educator. All three. 
Well, you can't find, and, and, the, and the Votech systems don't let him generate enough students because the big private institutions want people to go and join them. You, you follow what I'm saying? It's a racket. It's a racket, is it not? Yeah. And, and we need to all realize that you're talking to someone who went through the public school systems. I got the four degrees from MIT, so they don't really know what to do with me. They have a problem with Shivaya Dure because I didn't join their establishment. And I also learned a lot of things because I've been a student of political history. And the reason we're here today is we're here to declare our independence. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I mean, Frank said it right on the money, you know, that no one can force us to be any of these parties. What are these parties? They're rigged machines, money-making machines for themselves. I'll tell you this, you don't need a lot of money to run a campaign. So let's talk about what we believe should happen around a lot of this stuff, you know? What should really, let's get down, you know, a little bit to people listening out there what we stand for. Number one, you know, when it really comes down to this, we need real jobs. Real jobs, right? And real jobs, real jobs begins with real education, right? Real education means we got to skill America. Got to skill people. Well, how do you skill people? Well, they actually have to get practical training, not stay and read four years of book training, maybe go to some classes. People, parents are wasting their money, I'm telling you. I've had a job since I was 14 years old. It just so happened I went to MIT, but I didn't really need to go there. I did it to get their degrees so one day I could stand up in front of you and frankly say some words to those people so they could not attack me like I was uneducated. That's why I got those degrees. I did it for political reasons. We don't, so, so we need skills, right? We need to make sure community colleges can give degrees, four-year degrees. We need to tax these big private institutions because they are basically hedge funds from Harvard on down, all of them, right? What do you guys think about that? And that'll, that'll generate quite a bit of income to fund the Votech schools. You know, let's, right now they're stealing from the poor and giving it to not even the rich. I, I don't even consider, the rich actually work. These guys are just uh, leeches. They're leeches. That's exactly what they are. They're leeches. And we need to, you know, take the blood back from the leeches. Um, let's talk about real health. You know, there's a health expo going on here. Some of you, anyone going to it from here? Yeah. So there's a health expo going on here, right? It just so happens we decided to do, as Michelle said, we wanted to do dangers of GMOs. You won't find a U.S. senator going up against Monsanto. I actually did the research using technology I developed for my Ph.D., which allows me to model molecular pathways on the computer. And I discovered conclusively that when you genetically modify soy, for example, it creates formaldehyde. It downregulates glutathione. Well, we published a series of four papers very systematically, and then Monsanto unleashed their academic front guys, a guy called Kevin Folta, who called me all sorts of names. You may want to go after and sue him. I'm thinking about it. Okay. And, but then we exposed him because we found out that he was out there saying, I'm an independent scientist. I have nothing to do with Monsanto. A group out on the West Coast issued a FOIA. You know what a FOIA is? Freedom. And all these emails came out showing him getting uh, about $25,000 to be their spokesman. 
That's what these academics do. It's pay to play science. So when we want to think about healthcare, we got to think about who is telling us what we should put in our mouth, what we should eat, where's our advice coming from. I'm sorry, a guy who doesn't look that healthy telling me what I should eat, you know, I, it's hard for me to buy that, isn't it? It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? It, does, it doesn't add up. So when you really think about it, we got to focus on prevention. You know, the food business is actually a $4.7 trillion business. We can actually transform it, generate incredible wealth. The software business, by way of example, is only $400 billion, 10 times. There's a huge movement right now where 80% of Americans want organic food. And that's not left. It's not right. It's not, right? It's not Republican or Democrat. In fact, both of them support Monsanto. They're against the people. So the issue of real food is an opportunity for us to unite this country. I mean, we the people, right? So food, food is an amazing opportunity to bring us together if, because it's so personal. Anyone listening out there in this room, who, if you're a mother, why would you want to give your kid Monsanto's pesticides? And the only reason we're not able to do that is because the collusion between the Republicans and Democrats makes it so it's hard for an organic farmer to survive, right? Yep. So Amazon has stepped in and tried to do industrialization of food. So now they're going to ship organic apples or stuff from Turkey here. That's not the solution. The solution is we need to unleash local farmers. We need to bring it back local. And food is one of those things where the old imperialist system starts breaking down. Food is some, some of the things that we need to invest back in our economy. And we need to have policies which support that. Let's talk about big health care, big insurance. That's what Elizabeth Warren supports, right? Obamacare, Romney care, Democrat care, Republican care, a couple of small tweaks here and there. It's fundamentally anti-human. It's anti-health. What it's really about is making sure insurance companies keep getting premiums from us. They keep hospital costs high. They keep drug development costs high. And that's the racket. Well, the solution is pretty simple, frankly. Ideally, we should try to get rid of insurance, right? Most of us, if you were in your, I don't know, if you, in the 70s, you, you, know, you paid your doctor. And it was a pretty reasonable charge. Now, I believe we need some type of crisis care. You know, like have auto insurance. And I've done the numbers. Those could be around 1000 bucks maximum a year. And you could get all this crisis management. And you drive people to do their choices that you do with our car, locally, and direct pay. It's actually cheaper, guys. You work it out. It's a lot cheaper. And the third part of that plan is we got to get more doctors on the ground. Since 2000 till today, we've lost nearly 300,000 doctors because of Obamacare, Romney care, this nonsense. People can't sustain them being a medical doctor face-to-face. So they join big hospitals. Why do they do that? Because you come out of medical school with at least 12 years of education, four years of undergraduate, four years of uh, you know, medical school, and then another two years, seven years, et cetera. And this is the other racket. Well, here's the solution. Eliminate the mandate for, to go to four years of undergraduate education. Be able to go right to medical school. It should be treated as a vocation, vocation. Other countries do this, and there you eliminate the student burden. Pretty simple, right? It's, it's pretty, we're solving problems here. And, but, the, but the politicians, remember, they don't want to solve problems because most of them are lawyer lobbyists, and lawyers bill by the hour. They, you know, if you've ever been in a lawsuit, they like to drag their feet. They like to, right? They like to drag things out because they're billing hourly. 
They're partners in a firm. That's the mentality of politicians. They're not really incented to solve any problem except to get elected and reelected. So what do we do with that? Term limits now. Term limits now. Period. It was, it was in the Articles of Confederation, right? It was part of the spirit of the founders. These guys were workers. Go read Jefferson, I mean, um, Franklin's uh, page. This guy did everything. Washington was a surveyor, went back to work. Everyone here works. Politicians do not work. They don't have a job. They have no skills. So you do two terms in any government position, you're out. You can never hold a position again. The second piece of this is one dollar, one vote. Let me explain this. In any position you're running, whatever the number of registered voters are, you can only raise that much money. So if there's 4.3 million registered voters here, maximum anyone should raise is $4.3 million. Elizabeth Warren has already raised $12 million. Last time she raised 70, and that doesn't include how much she spent with through the PACs. It's crazy, isn't it? So these guys, we should, you know, cut them off at the feet on this. Term limits now. I'm going to give a simple formula, okay? $1, that's it. It's very simple, right? That's, that's the bill that we're going to try to push through. The other thing is you have federal judges who are also in collusion. Federal judges voted against term limits. Well, we should have the right to impeach them, which the Constitution allows, right? We have the right to impeach judges. So they, they should have recused themselves because a federal judge, they have infinite term. term. Or Supreme Court has, Supreme Court's the one that voted against term limits. That sounds like the fox watching the hen house, doesn't it? We may have to sue them. We should be ready to do that. What I'm talking about, as Ron said, we the people, and I'm just a reflection of you guys and why you're here, is we're the all-American fighters, aren't we? And we need to fight for this. So I say we honor our veterans. I mean, really honor them. While a bunch of these other politicians are parading around, taking pictures with the flag and uniforms, that's what they do, right? right. Go to walk around in Arlington, you know, cry a little bit, put some tweets out. That's what they do. Come on. They don't give a damn about the veterans because they don't live by example. And we're going to live by example because we're going to fight for these things. That's why they sent them to fight for us. And that's what this is about. That's why my parents... That's why my parents left India, the caste system. That's why they work so hard. That's why all of you work so hard. We have the ability to have a country where everyone can pursue their dreams. Everyone can be infinitely creative, infinitely productive, as long as we recognize everyone must take total responsibility. And we need to create an environment where parents, the society, you know, teaches kids some good values. Hey, you know, it's good to work hard. Not everyone's going to get a freaking trophy. Right? That's not, that's not good habits. It's good to work. It's good to learn how to balance a checkbook. Right? It's good to learn the value of money. We don't teach that. Most of the people that I hire, young people, I don't, frankly, all the companies, I, actually, I'm okay paying taxes if I owe them. But... What's unfortunate is most of our employers 
when we hire people, the kids we're getting in, we actually have to do the work that the parents didn't do now. Seriously. Yeah. We have to teach them basic skills, how to show up to work, how to talk to people, how to write. I'm being serious. Yeah. This is a reality none of these politicians talk about. None of them have ever had to start a business. None of them ever had to create a job. They just ride on our coattails, our coattails. So that's why today, today, you know, we declare our independence from both of these parties. And that's why we're here today. We're declaring our independence because it's the right thing to do. I'm not going to let the Republican Party run on my coattails or your coattails. They don't deserve us. They think they're so smart. These people think they're so intelligent. They're not that smart. They're like, you know, the old monarchy, which has been incestuous so long that they've actually gotten quite weak. And we need to seize power from them. It's our power that they've taken. And that's what we're all here for. And when I say be the light, let me say this in closing. You know, if there is darkness... If there is good and evil, darkness is about ignorance, you know, poverty and sickness. And it's based on consolidation of power, centralization, big hospitals, big insurance, big pharma. I know better. You don't. Fake fighters like Elizabeth Warren. Fake Indians like Elizabeth Warren. And people who don't want to bring this up because she is a fake Indian. What did she do? She lied on an application to Harvard. And the liberals don't want to talk about this. And in fact, the Republicans don't want to talk about this. One of my Republican competitors, oh, we shouldn't talk about this. Well, why? Because it's going to bring out all the nonsense they did. Here's a woman who's talking about fighting for minorities. She took away a minority's job. Right? That's what she did. She voted for the Monsanto Protection Act. Think about that. And a lot of those people out there do not know about it. They don't know about it. That's why they're led like cattle to vote for them. We have one of Elizabeth Warren's researchers here. That guy will research all this. He gets paid a lot of money to figure out how to spin what I'm saying. Right? That's why they sent you in here, American Bridge. So that's what they do. They hire these smart guys. And I wish they had principles, but they don't. That's how they work. They get, they get people, they take the best minds, and they bring them in and train them how smart they are to manipulate everyone else. That's not ethical behavior. That's not an educated person. And I've told this to you before. We need people who start bringing mind, body, and heart together. That's what this country is about. You go read these founders. These people are incredible people. They were enlightened souls. Right? And that's what we need. The light. The light here is us recognizing decentralization of power. Everyone in this room is a spirit of God, is an intelligent human being, and who's capable of infinite things. And the people who get in the way are the people like those at Harvard University. I mean, we were distributing cards at Harvard Square. Snobs, they don't want to take your card. They think they're so much better. Right? That's what they're training people to do, to manipulate others. We're not going to let them do that. When we leave this room today, we're going to boldly declare our independence, like Frank said. We're not going to hide. 
You know, who are they to tell us we can't win? Well, we are going to win, and we're going to win on our terms. Not on their terms, on our terms. So let's go out there. Today is a great day. Yeah, we're going to win as an independent. As an independent, not being a part of an independent party, but independent people, a bunch of beings of light coming together as one freaking lightsaber, man. And we're going to go out there and win. Thank you. Ron, do you want to say, should we take any questions and answers, or do you want to just end, Arvin? How would you like to do it? Dumping the Republican Party because he's yeah. irrelevant and he's running as independent. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, so let me be very clear. No, it's okay. I have the mic. Let me be very clear. What we're doing today is we are dumping the Republican Party. Okay? We are dumping the Republican Party. You can raise those up. They, we, the Republican Party, the Republican Party doesn't deserve you, and we're dumping them, and we're going independent today. I gave them a shot, you know? I did. I gave you guys a great shot if you're listening out there. Charlie Baker, Mass GOP. We're not dumping the Republican people. Or the Democrat. There's a lot of nice people who've been bamboozled by these people on both parties. We're going to bring them together. We're going to give them a home, right? And they deserve that. So let's go out there and declare our independence. Thank you. Great.